I've got a lot of people going from dry to wet. I've got an Anne for all seasons. Welcome to Date Fight. Tasty Date Fight. Yes, it's the podcast where we take great moments that occurred on this day in history and we pitch them against each other. Yes, we do. He's Jake Yap, I'm Nat Tapley, and together we have flicked through the children's section of the Library of History to find the Michael Rosen books that are most... (laughs) Waiting for us. Saying, what are you doing in the children's section? (laughs) Uh, That's what that deserves. Round one! Let's get to the 22nd of March. I'm going to take you to the 22nd of March, 1638. Oh, Nat, you always do this mid-17th century. I love it. It's brilliant. Yes, I do. It's the best. Uh, It's proper history. Honestly, anything before 1800 is proper history. 1800 onwards, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, something out of a magazine. They they cut loads of king's heads off. They got rid of loads of popes. They didn't like anything. Everyone was going, what happens if we just tear up all the rules and do what ordinary people think? And then they messed it all up. But it was an exciting time to be a human being. Yeah. Um, And in 1638, Anne Hutchinson was expelled from the Massachusetts Bay Colony, which was full of Puritans for being too Puritan. What? Uh, <laughs> she had followed John Cotton from England. Well, John Cotton was chased out of England by um, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Lord, in 1633. Um, and in 1634, Anne Hutchinson and her husband left to follow John Cotton and his preachings to Massachusetts, uh, as good Puritans did. Uh, they settled in Boston, and Anne started having weekly gatherings after church every week on Sunday in her house, where they would discuss the sermons. Um, oh, I love long, it. They were attracting up to 60 people, and she had to do separate meetings for the men and the women, and she started preaching to them and giving her own opinions, and she was, people were listening to her more than they were listening to the priest. She was basically doing, like, church podcast spin-offs. Yes, yeah, she, was, she was doing the red button version. Yeah. Yeah, she was doing DVD commentary yeah. for all of my references are early 21st century. Puritanism, an extra slice, which I will turn down, thank you, because it is sinful to be gluttonous. Um, after she started doing that, John Wilson came back, who'd been away from the colony for a while to go back to England, and he started preaching, and she realised she didn't really agree with him, so rather than just being discussions of the sermons, it became her telling everyone why they were wrong every week, um, oh. partly because she believed in a covenant of grace rather than a covenant of works, and she felt that they were preachers were falling into error by preaching a covenant of works and a covenant of works means that you can attain your place in heaven by doing good things and a covenant of grace means no you can't it's up to god you can't tell god what to do he's just gonna make his mind up one way or the other nothing you can do about it sorry about that henry vane (laughs) agreed with her not really agreed with her he was sort of on her side he was the governor of massachusetts bay colony at the time but then he left henry vane is quite an interesting person he went to be governor of Massachusetts that he went back to England and he helped Cromwell he was in charge of one of Cromwell's armies but then when Cromwell took over and they cut off the king's head he voted against cutting off the king's head um and then so was so objectionable to Cromwell that Cromwell said to him uh, the lord defend me from thee henry vane oh. uh, he then wrote the one of the articles after Cromwell's death about how rubbish his son was so that Charles II came back Charles II came back and promptly cut henry vane's head off and that was henry vane he was quite fun <laughs> Um, But he was generally quite a liberal-seeming person in that he thought you should be able to believe and do what you wanted as long as it didn't hurt anyone else. Um, So he didn't mind Anne Hutchison doing what she wanted. He just said, I'll just leave her alone. She's just, you know... 
doing what she's doing. But then he left and John Winthrop took over and he didn't like her at all and she was expelled from Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1638 for her heresies. She had a trial and John Cotton, who was one of the leading preachers and lawyers of the day, uh, took her to task and sort of examined her theological beliefs. So towards the end of the proceedings, it seems like she'd won. She'd beaten him in debate, she'd beaten him in... Uh, he hadn't managed to catch her out with any of his questioning but she said, uh, just before we all go I'd just like to say one th- one more thing uh, like Columbo and she said, you have no power over my body, neither can you do me any harm, for I am in the hands of the eternal Jehovah, my saviour, I am at his appointment the bounds of my habitation are cast in heaven no further do I esteem of any mortal man than the creatures in his hand, I fear none but the great Jehovah, which hath foretold me of these things, and I do verily believe that he will deliver me out of your hands, and they said I'm sorry, you said what? She said, I fear none but the great Jehovah who hath foretold me of these things that he foretold you. When when did he do that exactly? And then she went on to describe how she spoke directly to God all the time, which is very clearly heretical, and so she got kicked out, as did all her family. She was heavily pregnant, and she moved to Rhode Island, where they had uh, freedom of religion. We talked about Roger Williams before, I think, who established Rhode Island as a place to have freedom of religion, because they'd kicked him out of Massachusetts Bay Colony two years earlier. And... Uh, then she moved on from there when the mass- people from Massachusetts looked like they were going to take over Rhode Island. She moved into the Dutch colony where she and all her family were killed by Native Americans a few years later. Apart from not all her family, her daughter Susan hid in a rock and was taken captive by the Native Americans for six years hid. because of her fiery red hair. Hid in a rock. There was a crack in the rock. She hid in a crack. In the- okay. I think it's called it's called Split yeah. Rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I told that with all the coherence of someone who knows slightly too much about it and hasn't arranged their thoughts. That is a <laughs> That's list my of tricks. That's what I do. How dare you? Let me have a go at that. Okay. Uh, I would you like to take you, please, if I may, to the 22nd of March, 1872. Ooh. Staying stateside. Nice. And uh, staying, staying kind of, well, anyway, Illinois mm. becomes the first state to require gender equality in employment. Ooh. In 1872, which seems pretty good to me. That does. It seems amazing. And I was thinking, gosh. In employment in really horrible jobs. Yes, uh, just in uh, chick sexing, I think. <laughs> Do you know they, they occasionally, they, they, they ran a whimsical piece on the, the Today programme on Radio 4 mm. a year or so ago saying, the nation's running out of chick sexers. <laughs> oh. And I was like, oh, imagine chick sex. <laughs> It's like, do, 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 do you know what that involves? You, uh, you sit in front of a massive tray of eggs yeah, as they hatch. Yeah. You pull out the chick, and if it's a male, you throw it in a shredder. Yeah, I was that's say, in this that's country. That's the mincing thing, isn't it? Yeah, they yeah. sort of yeah, dump yeah. in a. But that, that's why you're running out of them. It's machine. one of the worst jobs in the world. Yeah. You are basically destroying the cover of every Easter card <laughs> on a, multiple times a day. About yeah, about fifteen times a minute. Anyway, uh, Illinois, did, I didn't know we were going there. I do want to give a shout out because I was thinking that's very early on the gender equality yep. thing. Um, but then I'd like to give a quick shout out while we're talking about it to Christine de Pizan. Ooh, OK. Who was an she... early advocate for gender equality. Mm-hmm. And she wrote a book called The Book of the City of Ladies. Oh. And she said that the oppression of women was founded on irrational prejudice, pointing out numerous advances in society probably created by women. And that was in 1405. Wow. When I dare say you could probably, you know, that's that's life threatening to write. Mm. I mean, it does sound like a a sort of rock opera from the early 1970s. The City of Ladies. (laughs) David Essex stars as Christine de Pizan. (laughs) 
I was trying to work out if it had a link with the Shakers because the the Shakers were, mm. even though they segregated the sexes, they they very much believed in equality. Yeah, um, and they they were doing a lot of stuff over in the states, obviously. Yeah, um, when they uh, branched off from Quakers, yeah, which I did not know. And and I wonder, you know, you go from Quaker to Shaker to, Maker. to what? Actually, the LA Lakers are the <laughs> most recent offshoot. <laughs> <laughs> the very tallest members. <laughs> and then, of course, they just went into kitchen cabinetry, didn't they? And that was that. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, quite nice chairs. They were they they were very big on on equality. But I couldn't find a link with Illinois and that. But okay. anyway, I just thought I'd flag that up, and we can move on now. Lovely. Let's do the birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you don't want to kick back and shoot the breeze now. I feel like uh, I feel like it. I thought you were hinting to me that that was a shallow puddle of knowledge, and that I should swiftly skate over it to somewhere else. Oh, barely! It wasn't even like a a, a, a faint mist of, <laughs> of awareness of knowledge. <laughs> Birthday to Dorothy Tennant. She was a painter. She was exhibitioned at the Royal Academy, and she married Stanley, uh, who found Livingston and said, "Dr. Livingston, I'm, I presume, um, she's better than him because she was just a painter, and he managed to enslave most of the Congo." So, well done, Dorothy Tennant, for not being as bad as your husband. <laughs> Happy birthday to Louis L'Amour, the novelist and short story writer of westerns in America, who was hugely famous in the early 20th century, and up until his death. Death in 1988. In 1988, when he died, all but just a couple of the 105 books he wrote were still in print. He's one of the most successful authors of all time, and yet no one admits to having read anything he's written. Um, he also developed uh, audiobooks. When Bantam came to him to do audiobooks in the early 1980s, he insisted they do them as radio plays rather than ordinary audiobooks, which was the first time that had been done, apparently. So, Louis L'Amour, happy birthday to you. Yeah, Happy and thanks birthday. for giving quite a lot of people quite a lot of employment. Thank you. Uh, happy birthday to William Shatner, who is a mystery to me. I have no idea whether he has utterly no self-knowledge or way too much self-knowledge. I cannot work him out. I Happy feel like, birthday to you either way. I feel like he's the American Tony Blackburn. Like, Tony Blackburn, yeah, okay. when you meet him, like, he, he knows, he knows what I don't he know is. Whether he kn- yeah, he yeah, know, it's a he? persona. Yeah, of course. And he lives it, but he, there's an awful lot more going on under the hood than you necessarily give them credit for, I think. Happy death day to William of Norwich, who was murdered in the mysterious circumstances in the mid-12th century, and when Thomas of Monmouth was encouraged by his bishop to turn William's story into that of being a martyr, so a cult would start, he, of course, blamed the Jews. The oh. Jews of Norwich, um, and it became the pattern which was used, uh, as we discussed before, with Hugh of Lincoln and other child murders in the 12th and 13th centuries. Um, but William of Norwich was the first, so happy death day, William of Norwich. Happy death day to Samuel Courtauld, the 19th century industrialist who, again, doesn't seem to have done anything hugely terrible and started the Courtauld Institute, so well done. Happy death day, Samuel Courtauld. Happy death day to William Hanna, who went from being a pioneer of animation to almost utterly destroying the form by trying to make it cheaper and cheaper and cheaper until you reach the dreadful long toy commercials of the 1980s. Well done, William Hanna. You invented Tom and Jerry and almost destroyed any art or life that there was in the medium. (laughs) Round two. I've got some good news for you. 
It's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, 1933. Mm-hmm. And the Cullen Harrison Act Ooh. has come in. And I am pleased to say it mm-hmm. allows the manufacture and sale of 3.2% alcohol beer and light wines. Nice. For the ladies, uh, President Franklin Roosevelt signs it. Now, this is this is huge. Uh, 13 years mm. of no alcohol uh, legally being obtainable. Finally, uh, it's allowed in. Uh, because Great. they were thought it's too low a content of alcohol to be intoxicating. Let me just yeah. tell you. <laughs> as a it father... requires a bit of commitment. Yeah, yeah. who... who <laughs> who, you know, doesn't drink that often. I mean, I haven't waited 13 years for a drink. Mm. 3.2% is just fine. You can definitely have a good time on that. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, on signing the legislation, Roosevelt made a famous remark. I think this would be a good time for a beer. (laughs) Oh, you absolute danger. So it's uh, known as National Beer Day, although for some reason they celebrate it on April the 7th. I don't know why. Uh, And I would say uh, maybe... uh, I'm celebrating today. I I celebrate every day. Uh, (laughs) I would say uh, Hunt Out Cocktails for Two by Spike Jones. Uh, There are various versions of it, but the Spike Jones one was probably the most famous one. Uh, And that was actually written... That was written kind of to celebrate the end of Prohibition, but Spike Jones did a very funny version of it. Saying, uh, how nice to be carefree and gay once again. Lovely. Well, I can't wait to be carefree and gay once again. So I'm going to take you to the 22nd of March, 1992. And a story that sounds bad, but is going to get a bit happier. You're just going to get through the first couple of sentences. Um, I'm going to take you to the crash of US Air Flight 405, which crashed shortly after takeoff from LaGuardia, crashed through some trees and ended up smashing into Flushing Bay, where it rested. 27 people were killed, including the captain and one member of the crew. Um, However... In investigating why the crash had happened, they discovered there had been too much ice on the fuselage and on the wings, which led to the development of whole new kinds of de-icer so that such a crash could never happen again. If there hadn't been that crash, the investigation wouldn't have happened, and now they found out that the de-icer they were using was only effective for 15 minutes. Currently, they have type 4 de-icer, there was only type 1 at the time, (laughs) which is uh, effective for up to two hours. You also have artificial de-icing systems on every runway, which had never happened before. Um, At that point, there was only one in the whole of America. That was at Chicago, and that's at every airport, um, including infrared de-icing. And there was an international conference on airplane ground de-icing, and the whole industry of flying got a lot safer because of... US Air, the crash of US Air Flight 405. So, terrible, but it means we can all fly in the winter much more safely because of that event. Well, <clears throat> provided, uh, you know, flights resume again. Yes, okay. And we carry on <laughs> burning all of that atmosphere up. Planes will have de-iced the planet. Yeah. Permanently. Hooray! Type 4, Great that's news. type 5 that's, de-icing. Yeah, that's really... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, known as holistic de-icing. That's wonderful, yeah. heartening news. In two years' time, when we all peer out of our holes, <laughs> you'll feel, to see who's left. You'll be desperate to hear the whine of an aeroplane overhead. <laughs> look, Mum, look. I know, darling, isn't it wonderful? They're going to drop more food parcels. They're off to Lanzarote. Oh, yay! <laughs> it was so worth it. Um, good. Well, uh, it's nice to be back properly at it, at it and at you like this mm. um we will uh, of course keep going we hope that you're uh taking every precaution and you know hanging in there 
Funny yes. time. Are you Look all right, Nat? Are you, you know, how are you with the... Are you... I'm, I'm ensconced. I'm fully ensconced. Um, I've taken any restriction off the time of day at which one can begin drinking, so I am utterly happy. <laughs> I'm the same with crystal meth, and i got to tell you, I feel great. Are you still using the bathtub stuff, or have you got some in? Um, no, we're having to increasingly... Actually, that's a thing. Like, mm. people aren't going to be able to get hold of drugs anymore. We're going to have to grow drugs in our baths. Uh, Or on our own bodies, in my case. I don't know what I'm talking about. We should probably go. We're still sort of recovering from last week, but we're uh, back in full force. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, you can have a forfeit song tomorrow as well. As I said, it would come in on a Monday. Only if you're, only if, yeah, only if, only if you're ready, Nat. You know, we've all got to be gentle with each other right now. It's it's fine. How long have you had it? It's quite a bit sad, though. It's only this afternoon finishing it now. It's a bit sadder than I thought. I'm wondering if it's too sad. Anyway, I'll find no, out. We could all use a good more. cry. I think it'd be very cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have one right now. For more okay. cheery updates about the world of the past, <laughs> come back tomorrow for more date fights. Yay! Bye. Hey, bye.